Welcome back to another episode of Into the Airbnb, where we talk with Airbnb hosts about their short-term rental experience. Our guest for today is Laurie Barwick, who owns and manages two listings in Salisbury, North Carolina. She started by running a wedding venue in her family house premises until she noticed there was a high demand for the big house to be rented as well. That's when she decided to put it on Airbnb. It has been six years now and she's doing great by renting both her old family house and doing $65,000 a year and the cottage on the same land doing around $20,000 a year. Join us today to hear more about this amazing host story and experience. This episode is sponsored by Airbnb's short-term rental analytics for high-return investments, comprehensive data for insights, ideas, and inspiration. Go to app.airbitics.com to find precise Airbnb data such as occupancy rate, revenue, average daily rate, and so on. So, without further ado, let's get into it. So can you tell me how did you get started in Airbnb or in short-term rentals? Yes. So I kind of came to it probably a little bit less usual than some. It's a bit of a long story, but I'll try to summarize it. We have a property in Salisbury, North Carolina, that's on 130 acres with a historic farmhouse. And it was my parents' home and my father passed away and then my mother got ill. And we were trying as a family to think of ways to keep the, the property in the family because it was very important to us, but also be able to take care of my mom properly. And so we started trying to figure out what were ways to support the farm and, and pay the bills. So I came up with the idea, this is about six, seven years ago, I came up with the idea of a wedding venue. So we started a wedding venue. I knew nothing. I was a speech pathologist and i kind of put that to the side and started researching and learning all about weddings and venues and how they run. And within two years of that, we were up and running and paying all the bills. So that was pretty great that it worked so well. But in addition to that, all my brides would always say, can we please rent the house and stay in it for our wedding with our bridal party or our family? So I was like, yeah, we could do that. So I just said, to make it easy, I'm going to list it on Airbnb and VRBO to take some of the work out of it on me. So taxes are out and everything's taken care of. And I listed it and I opened a few extra dates just out of curiosity. And all of a sudden we started booking every date I opened. And I could not believe it because I was like, who's coming to Salisbury, North Carolina and wants this big house. My husband and I also have a cottage on the property that we, it's a historic cottage. We had moved onto the property and renovated years ago, 20 years ago. So we started opening that up as well. And that doesn't rent as well because it's not as big a house, but it rents as well. So we have been very successful and we no longer really doing weddings. We may do one every now and then, but now our bread and butter is the Airbnb, which has been wonderful. Oh, I see now. That's a very interesting story. And by any chance, when you open up the Airbnb like profile, were you catering to those people who wanted to do both the wedding venue and also stay in your place? That's kind of how it started. But then as, you know, we, as I opened more dates other than my wedding dates on the calendar, 
I would get bookings for other things. People come into town for a family reunion, someone wanting a big house so they could have a big family, multi-generational reunion and be all in one place. Then we have a really nice wedding venue down the road. So I had called them and spoken to them and said, we're doing a lot of Airbnb now. I know that your people can't stay at your place. Please let them know we're here. So we host a lot of their people and that are having weddings at that venue. They'll come and stay at ours. And a lot of times they'll do like a rehearsal dinner at ours, you know, and then have the wedding at the other venue. So that's worked out really well too, just trying to make contacts in town to tell people what we're doing. Okay, I see about that. And I previously interviewed a people in North Carolina that was like to start an Airbnb, but he also got requests to do big gatherings or weddings even in his like backyard. Do you right. also get that, that kind of requests for yes. big gatherings and all of that stuff? We absolutely do. And so what generally happens with that is I just talk to my people because this is a historic house. It's a family home. So it's pretty special to us. So we're kind of careful about all that, but we do charge an event fee. And I usually just talk to them about what they have in mind. And then we work it out from there. But yeah, we do allow them. We just, we do vet what type of event and how big and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. I understand now. And can you tell me a little bit about The market you're currently in, is it like popular with Airbnb, short-term rentals, any, any kind of rentals really? There are some in our area. It is not, it's not a huge, it's a small town in North Carolina with about 30,000 people, but it's very close to Charlotte, which is a big city and Winston-Salem and Greensboro. We're kind of right in the middle of all that. And our town hosts some pretty neat things. We have a drink called Cheerwine that's very, very popular. It's a soft drink, and they do a big festival every year for that. They're, it's a historic town, so there's a lot of historic things that happen there. And so we do get draws from that. We also have a couple of colleges in town, so we also have those draws. But like I said, it can be anything from a girls' weekend to a family reunion to, gosh, it's just been a little bit of everything. It's been pretty interesting. It's not been one thing or another. It's been a multitude of different type of renters. I've even had a renter that found us on Airbnb because he likes to try new places from Pittsburgh of all places, which is very far away. And he's coming again this summer. This will be his second time. And he just loved it so much. His family came for a week and they just thought it was the greatest thing. We have an in-ground pool. So it's it's a beautiful property. It's really spacious and lovely. So they, now this will be their second year. I've got people that are coming back on their third and fourth visits. So we do have a good bit of repeat business, which has been very nice as well. Oh, and why do you think that's happening to your listing? I think because I think we are a little bit less usual than some because you're coming, you're, you're getting 130 acres to walk around on. You've got an in-ground pool. You've got in the fall, beautiful leaves, beautiful land, fireplace in the house that's wood burning, big kitchen, really nice to cook in, lots of space. So I think it just appeals to people and it's just a little bit different. It's not the beach. It's not the mountains. It's like a little farm vacation, but it's not a working farm. It's just land, but it, it's very pretty. And I think people just enjoy the peace and quiet and being with their people. Okay. That's really nice. And you told me previously that you get every kind of guest. So if I were to ask you what typical demographic of guests you get, you won't be able to, to tell, right? Not really. I would say it's a, it's bigger. The house sleeps 10. So it's usually families or multi-generational families or friends, groups of friends that are tend to be a little older, usually 
you know, 30 and above, like women who are got babies and husbands and want to go away for a weekend, a long weekend and just be together. So it's a little bit of everything. It really is. I see. So you have hosted every, every kind of guest and have you got any particular like problems or challenges with any guest so far? We have had one and, and I'm very happy to say in six years, only one. And that was just a very unfortunate event where it was a guy that I had talked to extensively and I was allowing him to have a moving up party for a group of children and parents during COVID because school wasn't in and they wanted the kids to have some type of party. We talked extensively. It's a long story, but they weren't going to really stay in the house overnight. They just wanted to use it, but still pay for overnight. And I made some exceptions for him after many, many conversations. And it stormed that day. They sent all the children home and the grownups promptly texted every friend they knew and had a giant party at my house, unbeknownst to me until the next day. And they did about, hmm, $5,000 worth of damage to the property. Yeah. Not to the house per se. I mean, some things like stuffed up toilets and that kind of thing, but it's mostly outdoor. They drove cars on my lawn and, you know, broke landscape lights and ran over a pipe that drained the well, you know, but Airbnb, I will say we were very prompt and we got our evidence to Airbnb right away. I called them immediately. As soon as we knew what happened, took pictures did everything properly. And Airbnb, I think, reimbursed us within four days for all but about $150. So we were pretty pleased with that. You deal with that directly through Airbnb? I did, yes, through, through their resolution center. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so that helped you a lot, right? You didn't have any kind of inconvenience with the Airbnb team? No, not at all. They were actually very helpful. I mean, they are pretty thorough about what they want from you as far as receipts and pictures and proof, but I can't blame them for that because you can't just reimburse people for just what they say. You have to show them what it was. So I thought they were really reasonable and very helpful to me. How did they deal with the guests? Do you have an idea if they by any chance? I feel feel sure they blocked him. I don't know, but I feel sure they blocked him. I can't imagine for a second that, you know, they let him stay on the platform. Mm-hmm. I, at least I have. And I certainly gave him a review that wasn't five stars. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I completely get it. And when that happened to you, how did you feel? Did you feel like you might have to leave Airbnb? Like it was really emotionally, did it break you? Like any? It did not. It didn't break me. It was just really, really disappointing, especially because I'd had so many conversations with this guest and had mm-hmm. been so explicit in what we allowed and didn't allow. So that was very disheartening. Yeah, it stung for a little while, but it made me a better host because I vet a little bit harder when I have a feeling maybe something may be lurking in their request. So I tend to vet a little bit harder. You know, I have a caretaker that goes to the property quite often because of the pool. So he is always on the lookout as well. He doesn't invade privacy. He stays away from them. He just goes and treats the pool and cleans it. But, you know, it's nice to have eyes on the property occasionally. But overall, I would say it has not changed my perspective because I think bad things happen. And luckily, it's knock on wood. That's hopefully going to be our worst story. Mm -hmm. What do you feel that you learned from this experience? Just like I said, to, to be a little more careful about the questions you ask of groups wanting to come in and use the property and making it very clear to them they're not allowed to have a big party and, you know, all those things and that there will be consequences like fines and 
So I'm just, I'm more explicit now. I think my house rules are more organized and straightforward. So they're easy to understand, just things like that. Yeah, I completely get it. So that's the lesson you learned from that. I think you were doing like really great when it comes to your Airbnb, just like these things can happen, like you just said. Right. right. So, we can't control everything in this industry. Yeah, so yeah. I just chalk it up to experience and I'm a kind of a fast learner. If I something happens, I learn from that and I move on. I don't dwell. So I kind of just keep going. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty good for the industry you're in because sometimes you hear stories about Airbnb hosts that went through the same thing as you, but were like completely destroyed. Didn't want to make Airbnb again in their lives. And I completely get it from their side as well, you know, but right, right. there are things that you can't help in this business. Right. Really. Exactly. Now I'll let you move on towards the numbers you're making. If you don't mind sharing that with us, would you mind sure. sharing about how much is your monthly and annual revenue since you've been already doing that for a whole year or more, right? Six years. Six years now. That's great. Yeah. And yep. can you tell me a little bit about the revenue you've been perceiving through these? Yeah. Six yeah, I think years? monthly, it depends on the month. So our high season is generally April through October. Mm-hmm. And then pretty quiet. Usually we'll, we, a lot of times we rent the house out every Thanksgiving to a family, like an extended family. Sometimes we'll rent after Christmas, but not often. And then it's pretty quiet again until April. We'll have a few here and there. And then once we get into May, June, we start getting back-to-back bookings pretty much through August. And then we'll get several in September and several in October. Monthly, it depends, but I would tell you our gross revenue last year was 65000 So we were pretty pleased with that. And that's just one house. So the cottage rents separately from the main house. Mm-hmm. And it is significantly less because we rent it a good bit less. Do you know why do you rent it a little bit less? It's just people not looking for that kind of small place? I, mean, or I think, I think the appeal to, in our house is having that big house with lots of space to spread out in and the cottage is wonderful, but it's more of a small house and it's one bathroom. It's charming and pretty, but it's not on the big expanse of land sitting up on a hill like the other house. What happens a lot of times people will rent the main house and have more family or friends, and then we'll rent the cottage as well. So that's when we tend to rent more when a really bigger group wants to have both houses. Mm-hmm. And how many people do the, the cottage sleeps? It sleeps eight and the main house sleeps 10, but the cottage is just, it's very quaint and sweet with one bathroom. Okay. Yeah, I get it. It still sleeps many people. And can you please does, tell me yeah. how much yearly revenue you do with that one cottage in comparison with bigger listing? You know, that's a good question. I haven't looked at it recently. I would guesstimate 20,000 or a little less possibly per year yes okay and most of those are like the ones you told me like they come in like really really big groups of people and they just have to rent both of them right and I will say sometimes we'll get like a small family with two small children they will rent the cottage because they don't need all the space at the main house Mm -hmm. so that does happen but it's just probably 50 50 that type thing versus also renting in addition to the main house yeah, that's right. And about the revenue you're getting involved, you told me 65K in the bigger one and 20K in the cottage. Were those the amounts that you were expecting to do with these rentals? 
it's interesting because when we started six years ago, I never thought in a million years we would get to this ever. So, because our family still uses the property as well. So we don't have dates open 24 seven because sometimes family wants to use it because it's also a vacation home for us, but had no idea we would do this well. And it's been really nice because it really does. It's a big piece of property with a lot of upkeep and the house is an older historic home, which, you know, there's a lot of upkeep. So we're been able to do that and keep it in tip top shape, which has been nice. Yeah, that's really nice. And when you started six years back, you were like, you just started with Airbnb because you thought it would be convenient for the, for the wedding venue thing, or do you also get to make market research to see how that property would do on Airbnb? No, back then, honestly, I was such a newbie. I didn't know even how to go about that other than looking on Airbnb and VRBO to say what else is in my area and what is their pricing? You know, I did that kind of research, but I certainly didn't do it because I thought we were going to, you know, do this well. I did it originally as a convenience for the weddings so that people could rent and it would be easier on me to rent it that way than having to go directly through me and me file taxes and hospitality tax and all that. Yeah, yeah, I completely get it. When you started, were you pricing your listings competitively against other similar rentals near your area or in your area? So, yeah. So what I did was I would look at the thing that would be the most comparable, which there were hardly any that were comparable because we are very different from most. And I priced above. I was probably the most expensive in the area, but I decided it was worth it because of the type of property it is and the amenities it had, which were bigger and better than anything else I was seeing in the area. And that formula has seemed to work well for us. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I completely get it. Now you're keeping that same formula? We still, I mean, I have noticed it's been interesting to watch. I've noticed some of the Airbnbs have gotten more expensive near me. <laughs> and I don't know if they saw my pricing and decided to up theirs. But yeah, so they have come up in some of their pricing, but I still think we're, we're near the top. But like I said, it's a very unusual property comparatively to anything else around me. So mm -hmm. yeah, I see now. I completely understand. And still you being like the highest end property in your area, people still choose you because you have these really unique things to offer, like the size of the listing and the pool you told me about, the, the fact that the area is really, really big. Yes, I think that's it. And, and I do think that I really enjoy the hospitality industry, I enjoy people, and I really get a lot of satisfaction out of them enjoying our place and loving it and feeling like I was helpful to them. So I think a lot of times I put a lot of extra effort into being a really good host about answering questions, telling them where to go eat dinner, where they can get a caterer, you know, all those kinds of things. And, you know, I've even helped somebody who's also repeat, this is probably their third year. They come every year to celebrate their daughter's birthday. And the first year, They wanted to know if I knew anybody who had pony rides nearby. And I helped connect her up with someone that would bring a pony onto the property and let them do little pony rides for their nieces and nephews and daughter. So that was fun. So I, I tend to try to go out of my way to be helpful to my guests. And I think they do appreciate that. Yeah, I also would agree to that because when a host is like communicative and also is able to help a guest in their needs, despite it not being like 
the main thing they have to do is like really nice and people tend to get back to you and people tend to also enjoy the stay because you are doing those extra things for them. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I tend to get reviews saying things like that, which I really appreciate. And then that makes me feel happy that I hosted that way because I feel like they had a good experience. Yeah. Also, I've seen that this whole industry seems to work more for people who really enjoy hospitality rather than the yes. people that choose to do it as purely as business. It tends to bring- I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think it's really important to keep your professionalism, but also treat people like you would like to be treated if you're staying somewhere. And that's how I try to, I try to anticipate needs as far as the comfort level of the house and the amenities we provide in the house. And then I also try to bring the friendliness and the, how can I help you? Do you have any questions, you know, to it? And I think if you treat people with that kind of respect and kindness, generally, not always, you will get that back. (laughs) That's hopefully the thought, right? Yeah, that's right. And have you got any experience with guests who didn't like who you were really friendly and approaching with them? Yeah, I don't, I don't really feel like I've had any negativity from it. Maybe mm-hmm. not quite as reciprocal or as communicative, which is fine too, because everyone's you know different and maybe they don't want to chat. I don't bother them, but I usually text them after check-in the next day and say, I hope you've settled in and you have everything you need. Let me know if I can answer any questions, you know, just that general stuff. If they don't ask anything else, then I tend to leave them alone so they can enjoy their vacation. Yeah, that's right as well. So all this revenue you make with the house, does that help you with, you know, your own living costs or do you purely invest that in your Airbnb, like in your business growth again? I pay myself a little. But primarily it goes back into our property because it is family owned. And as I said, we were trying, the whole purpose originally was to make this not a family burden financially and to keep it in our family for generations. And that seems to be working at the moment. So it does, a lot does go back into it, but I do get paid at a percentage. Okay. Yeah. That's really nice though. And one thing that I would like you to tell me about is if there has been any particular challenges that you have encountered as an Airbnb host, maybe with the Airbnb platform, maybe with your guests? Yeah, so pretty much, I would say the most challenging aspects for me, and I'm sure this is probably for a lot of hosts, is when Mm -hmm. something goes wrong that's out of your control. For instance, the power went out. Well, we have a well system. So when our power goes out, not only do they lose electricity, they also lose water because the pump can't work. So that's been challenging at times. And of course, you're scrambling, trying to make it okay. And you're, you know, in touch with the guests and you're in touch with the electric company and you're trying to do what you can, but some things are just what they are. I have had really lovely guests that have been pretty darn nice about the things that have happened. They've been understanding. I'm sure Mm -hmm. they were inconvenienced and a little disappointed at times, but those, those are the stressful times is when something like that happens. Or we had last summer, for whatever reason, we had torrential rains for like 10 days straight. And our pool balance got out of the chemicals, got off balance. And the pool was a mess. And we were working day and night trying to correct it. And we had guests there with children who wanted to swim. So that was heartbreaking to me. And I offered them a refund not for the whole place, but partial refund. I've offered several different things, which they were very kind of did not pick me up on it, but they were just, you know, I tried to make it as 
right as I could under the circumstances. But the, those things are few and far between, luckily. I understand the thing that frustrates us the most sometimes are the things that we can control. And luckily, yes. yeah, your guests have been very comprehensive with that because there are some guests that might not be. Really. Right. I'm very fortunate. I really feel overall that I've had some really pretty awesome guests. Yeah, so, yeah. So I, yeah. I do appreciate that. Yeah, that's right. And now I just realized that I didn't ask you about this. How do you typically screen your guests so you can ensure that they are the right demographic and also the right type of guests you're planning to, to get? Generally, you know, if they just say, is your home available or I'd like to stay there, I usually, before I accept or decline, I just ask more questions. I say, what brings you to the area? Who will be traveling with you? I ask some questions and most people give more information. With the ones who don't give me a whole lot, I generally get a feel for and and they usually I've, I've had pretty honest guests that'll say we're attending a festival and such and such and we're bringing 10 friends and then I'll say will you understand we have a strict no party rule at our property please understand that before you proceed with booking and then they a lot of times will go away which is fine because they realize oh she's not going to allow that so this probably isn't the right place for us so I just tend to ask questions and make sure that I'm comfortable with who they are. And I, I like to see that they have some reviews, obviously, that helps me know that they've traveled and used Airbnb and they've have been reviewed by other folks. And do you at any like point of their, of their stay, do you get to meet them? So generally I do not, I do not live in town, but I have a wonderful, wonderful person that is my cleaning person and kind of preps yeah, the house right. and does check out for me. And then I have a caretaker. So between the two of them, generally, generally my caretaker meets them at some point because he's there to take care of the property. He does a lot of mowing and cleaning up if there's a storm and he's always working on the pool. So he generally meets folks and I always tell them ahead of time that this is his name. This is the kind of truck he drives. He won't be there a lot. He won't disturb you, but just know he's there to do this or that. And everyone's been pretty good with all that. So. Okay. That's pretty amazing then. And Lastly, I'd like to make you one last question. Is there any particular tips that you'd like to give out for other Airbnb hosts? Yes, I think the most important things are anticipate your guest needs, make it a stay like you would like to receive, make your place comfortable like you would be if you were staying in someone's home, be kind, be courteous, be professional, even with your guests is not professional and they're not kind. Don't stoop to that level. Always keep your head above water as far as being professional with them. That doesn't mean cave in, but it just means handle it as diplomatically as you can if problems arise, because I think that will go a long way for your reputation and your property if you handle things always positively and professionally. Right. I completely agree with that. Those were really amazing tips. So that would be it for today. Thank you a lot for your time, for the, the story you shared with us and also for the tips. It has been really amazing to hear about your, your story and your journey. Thanks for interviewing me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Into the Airbnb. We're looking for hosts and other people in the short-term rental industry to interview. If you had what we need and would like to share your experience in this podcast, please send us an email. All the info is at the end of the description.